0: So Money episode nine oh nine, Christy Shen and Bryce Leong, authors of Quit Like a Millionaire.
1: You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a thirty-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money.
2: When we actually retired and we didn't actually buy a house, and that was one of the reasons, because we were able to put our money um, into the stock market and actually invest it and have us have it pay us money rather than pay money into a mortgage. Um, that's just completely like mind-blowing for people back home. Like Even my parents were just absolutely disgusted (laughs) by the fact that I didn't
0: buy a house, like to the point where they're like, I was like, Oh God, I hope they don't disown me. We are back in conversation with Christy Shen, as well as her husband, Bryce Leong. Christy was on So Money a few years back as I was doing a week-long special on early retirees. Christy is Canada's youngest retiree ever. She built a $1 million portfolio by the age of 31 and then spent the next few years traveling the world. She and her husband have a book out now called Quit Like a Millionaire. It's out actually tomorrow. And in it, she documents her journey from childhood poverty in China to to being fully financially independent and a millionaire in her 30s. Christy and Bryce are part of the FIRE movement. Heard of that? FIRE stands for Financial Independence, Retire Early. Their book is a bold contrarian guide to retiring at any age. And they've got a formula to financial independence. No matter where you are, where you're living, how old you are, what your likes and dislikes are. I mean, personally, I don't wanna leave New York City. So do they have a plan for me? They do. Here's Christy Shen and Bryce on. Christy and Bryce, welcome back to So Money. We got lots of catching up to do since you were on three years ago. Oh, yeah.
2: Good to hear from you again, Farnouche. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, there's so much. And, and obviously, we want to talk about your book that's coming out later this summer Quit Like a Millionaire. We had you on So Money back, I think, tw- in 2016 when I was doing a whole series on re- early retirees and talking to in you know, people from all over the country and in, in some cases all over the world. You guys, uh, you know, were traveling at the time. I think living in Canada, but traveling, fascinated with these sort of young people, youngish people, people in their 30s and 40s who had "quote unquote" retired. And since then, I'm sure you are. are completely aware of this, there's become this movement of Fire people, these financially independent, retire early people that are part of now a movement that you guys really, you know, I guess are sort of like the grandparents of, <laughs> even though you're still young.
1: <laughs> grandparents. No, um, oh, that's a weird, that's a weird thought.
0: Yeah. Sorry. Maybe like the cool uncle and aunt. I don't know. Um, yes, that's but
1: that's what,
0: that. what do you, what do you make of it? I mean, do you feel like, do you think like you guys are changing other people's lives or people are just sort of like looking at you, like, how are they doing it? Like, how do you, how are you measuring sort of this movement? Movement's success that you are very much a part of.
2: Oh, it's it's been really uh, incredible since the last time we talked. A lot of things have happened. Um, I think initially with, you know, some some of these big news articles coming out, it's like, oh, this person's retiring at 31, at 32. And then, you know, general public was kind of like, that's not possible. Like, that's just crazy. And then we get all this hate mail because on our um, news feature, there was like a thousand comments and a lot of it was just like, this is not possible, totally not doable. Um, since then, we've actually, so there's a, we've been traveling the world for the last, um, so almost four years now, uh, we also started a blog. So on the blog, we actually do reader cases for um, real people that write in with their uh, questions about their finances. And since then we've just talked to like hundreds of people, we're getting emails every day uh, from people that have told us that they've just made huge strides in their finances. Like people who have gone from having a thousand dollars in their bank account to uh, running our workshop, which we run for free on, on our blog. And now they're in their, their they have six figures, uh, just two years later. So I think this whole, um, fire fire has now actually turned into more of a movement because there's more and more people in the community that are showing you, um, that people of many different backgrounds can do this too. Like people with kids can do it. You can do it when you're traveling, Mm -hmm. um, people of different, like, you know, ethnicities. And it, I think it's really turned into more of a community now. Whereas initially, when we just talked in 2016, it was more like, okay, there's just these weird people that have come out and yeah, retired. Right. It's not actually doable. So that's actually been debunked. And uh, we get just emails every day from readers uh, who just, it's so humbling to see how many people's lives that this fire movement have, has changed and how many people are, are willing to make changes in their day to day lives
1: we actually get emails like, you know, every day or every couple of days of somebody that would come up to me and, or, you know, email us. And sometimes up on the street, like this is the craziest thing where people uh, will actually come up to us on the street and like recognize us and, be, and and just being like, I, you know, I read your blog, I did the workshop and I have never felt better about money before in my life. You changed my life. I now have more money than I've ever like thought, like, you know, thought possible. And it's just kind of like, yeah, you changed my life. And, that is insane. Like it's Yeah, the, it's, I,
0: it's the best, right? When people are like, it's not just about you helped me save money, but it's that yeah. it, you impacted my life in a really big way. Maybe you also yeah. saved marriages. Maybe you also gave people an opportunity to expand their family, which wasn't maybe financially viable. I mean, you just don't know even like what your – what your examples and your teachings are affording people really, because, um, I, you know, it's just so magical when you're, when you don't have to stress about money. And so for you two, you know, we covered this on the first episode when you were on the show, but a large part of how you were able to you know, build up your wealth and reach a million dollars, Christy, by age 31, uh, was because you ditched this path of home ownership, which a lot of people are still really, insistent upon and and of course you did other things along the way but that was a huge kind of expense that you skirted that then allowed you to save more aggressively. How are your people in your community and how are you really talking about the ways to save big? Because you know retiring in your 30s and 40s and we'll talk about what retiring actually means, but even just the idea of quitting your job and having quote unquote enough to sort of live on while you might do a passion revenue stream, I think is very jarring to people. So tell us a little bit about some of these big shifts that you encourage people to make that you've even made.
2: Oh, yeah. I think, okay. So, you know, because we lived in a very expensive metropolitan city and the housing market was just so crazy where we lived that um, it was just like when we actually retired and we didn't actually buy a house and that was one of the reasons because we were able to put our money um into the stock market and actually invest it and have us pay out pay have it pay us money rather than pay money into a mortgage um that's just completely like mind blowing for people back home like even my parents were just absolutely disgusted by the fact that I didn't buy a house, like to the point where they're like, I was like, Oh God, I hope they don't disown me. Um, it, it's been really incredible. The journey for the last, um, three years, cause my parents kept looking at me and saying like, you're missing out and all your, your, you know, peers and friends and coworkers, they all have houses. And what are you doing? You're th- doing this crazy thing. But the crazy, the even crazier thing is that now that we've actually been traveling for the last four years and we have more money now than we actually started, uh, my parents have actually, Actually completely done a 180 um, completely come around my dad started using our workshop and actually investing <laughs> in index funds it's true, he um, did. yeah and then like when I called him for Father's Day um, he actually said I'm proud of you like for the first time ever and I I just completely like broke down because <laughs> I just could not believe that um, you know that mm. just by show instead of actually just telling them that this is not the traditional way doesn't make, make sense we decided to show them with actual um, with action and to show them that, hey, we are going to be fine financially right. and we actually have more money than we started and we're much happier. Like, I don't have any of the health issues that I used to have when I was working. And la- the last time we got a checkup, um, Bryce's doctor said he was obnoxiously healthy.
1: It's true, he did say that. <laughs> yes. And and, and, uh, and I say I you know, there's probably a parallel with your background here, but Asian parents never, ever, ever, ever say they're proud of you. Like, it just...
0: <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> i <if> least mine don't <laughs>
1: yeah that, so, yeah the
0: so whole tig- uh, i read tiger mom okay i read that book so i know I, yes. yeah
1: yes. i bet i bet you have stories about this too yeah. but it's because they because they see that as a weakness right like they they, they see that as like a, if you tell your kids you did a good job they're going to stop trying oh. um <laughs> but the, the and for like honestly after we left like when we last spoke i mm-hmm. think christy and her parents were in like a multi-year-long yeah. fight. Well,
2: we were, we were, yeah, having some disagreements about the housing. That's a so nice... My mom's st- like, you're a millionaire, you don't have a house, who cares? So they weren't <laughs> like, even like, they uh, were not even deal. talk
1: <laughs> they, they didn't even. They didn't even speak to each other for like, I, like honestly, like a year. And it was only when they started, like their friends started seeing, "Hey, is this your daughter?" Like they were seeing her in the news and they were seeing her on podcasts, like you're hearing about podcasts like yours. And if You're like, famous, like, uh, yeah.
0: yeah.
1: your daughter? You're like, wow. I like you're amazing. You must be an amazing dad. And then he was like, uh, <laughs> like maybe
2: she's not an idiot. Maybe I need to
0: rethink. <laughs> <laughs> so, so. I was, I, I love this. I love that this has had like such a great um, kind of personal <laughs> evolution for you guys too, made you closer to your families. So what I'm hearing is that for you, you know, not buying a home was a big um, – was a big sort of lever to be able to make more, save more. Um, What else? I mean, I think I agree. Geography also is really important. Like where you live, even if you are going to be a homeowner, but where you live matters as far as with the taxes that you pay, the housing costs, the cost of living. And nowadays people are able to work more remotely. So maybe you're earning like big city dollars, but you're living Mm -hmm. more in an area that your dollar can really be stretched. Um, What about like savings rates? And what about investing? And what about trade offs, other costs to like, you know, everyone can sort of like do without? I'm not a big fan of like telling people what costs they should trim because that's a very personal thing. But just give me more examples from your community because I want to really inspire our audience to think about this more seriously. uh
1: just, just, just to go back to something that you mentioned before, uh, t- tell them about uh, the – there was one uh, one of our readers who we met at a Chautauqua was living oh, in California. Yeah. Do you want to yeah,
2: go? Yeah, so to give you an example of one of our um, readers, uh, so the there's it's a couple, and um, so – They actually lived in very expensive, um, San Francisco. And the thing is she actually is working in marketing. So she could actually work from home. The business doesn't actually have an office. Everybody commutes, uh,
1: everybody like works online and goes to uses like zoom for meetings and this kind of stuff. It was a very, it was a a purely virtual office.
2: Exactly. So, um, after talking to us they were, they are saying it's so expensive to live in San Francisco. Like how can we possibly do this early retirement thing? And then we, we dug into their situation a bit more and we're, we, and we said, wait, you don't if you you if you actually move to like Oaxaca, Mexico, the time zone would not like they're not even going to notice because you're actually working from home. And we had just come from Oaxaca and the cost of rent was four hundred dollars a month. And she also spoke Spanish. And so she's like, oh, we said, okay, have you ever considered trying um, geographic arbitrage, which is, you know, the idea that she's earning money in U.S. dollars from San Francisco. And then she's actually working in Mexico or some other you know, it's a place that's like within South America. And, and actually after we had that conversation, uh, she gave that a try. Like she moved to Mexico for a while, lived there with her husband and realized that, um, her expenses had dropped so much that he didn't even need to work anymore. And like recently they actually just quit their jobs and they're actually traveling now. So that's just an example of using geographic arbitrage, um, when you actually can work from home and your boss won't even notice, like her boss, it makes no difference because the time zone is within that that same time zone. Yeah, so, it
1: was like the same time zone, like one zone over or one hour over and this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Within an instant, their savings rate went from like zero to like, you know, some like crazy yeah, high number, much, like above so 50, 60% kind of thing. Yeah, I think it, it was like, like 70 from
2: something. like $3,000 a month in rent to like 400
1: Yeah. So, and then they're just <laughs> kind of like, wow, this is really because yeah. they were making American dollars and they were yeah. they were converting it to Mexican pesos and they were spending almost nothing. Mm-hmm. And her company did not notice. And uh, like they, they saved up so much money in that little bit of time that the, like again like just like a few months ago they said yeah we're 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 hitting the fire button and and all this kind of stuff and it was just it was like I don't like to talk about deprivation. I the fire
0: button. button. Can we just pause on that? I love that. I'm gonna hit the fire <laughs> button. I also wrote down <laughs> geographic <laughs> arbitrage because I think that <laughs> that's such a sexy way of talking about like a loophole, a geographic it is. loophole. It is.
1: Yeah. Last time uh, last time we spoke we were in Thailand and we w- we were traveling around the world for like a year and we thought that we were going to do that you know, just, um, just as temporarily a year, as a yeah. gap year and this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And then we went back home and then we actually added up all of the amount that we spent. And then we realized, Oh God, it's actually less than being back in Toronto, it's like which means
2: thousand dollars for the entire year. And we went to expensive places like UK and Switzerland.
1: Yeah. And yeah. it's like, if you're in a place like Thailand, it's like half of that. So we're just like, that means we can do this forever. And we've been doing it forever. Like we're like, we're, we continue to be nomadic. And when we tell people about this, it's such a, it's like to us, it's an obvious kind of hack But it is not obvious at all to people who like, you know, like you're like you live in New York City, right? Right. Brooklyn. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Brooklyn. And everybody is just complaining about how expensive everything is. But they don't but they don't realize that, you know, again, on the same time zone, which is a big slice down on, 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 you know, of the earth. Um, you have a very, very wide range of how much things cost, and if you can work, work remotely, you can earn co- uh, money in one country, spend, convert it, and spend it in another, and all of a sudden your savings rate like jumps dramatically because it doesn't matter how much you earn, and actually, how, matters how much you save. So by doing this, like, I hate talking about frugality. I hate talking about deprivation. You know, clipping coupons and cutting your yeah. own hair. It's not fun. It's not sexy at all. But you know. Going to going to Puerto de Vallarta, like like sitting on a beach and then saving money that way. Oh heck yeah, that's fun. Yeah,
2: yeah, and then, <laughs> yeah, and then what we we also discovered that not buying the expensive house, like not being tied by down by a mortgage, so that we could actually travel the world, made us discover this amazing life hack because. We thought that traveling was going to be really expensive, and if we had bought a house, we would have just been resigned to, okay, we're going to live in one city now because we are tied down by the house. But because we sold everything, put everything in two backpacks, and we actually traveled, and then we discovered, hey, wait, traveling is not expensive. It's when you buy vacation packages while you're working, and you have to travel from Saturday to Saturday, and then you're actually trying to go to touristy places instead of living like a local. That actually inflates your cost. So this whole idea that, um, you know, like one of the things I was talking about during the last last podcast, I believe it's like, you know, the, the traditional path is because our parents said, you can just work until you're 65, buy a house and then get a pension. But then as millennials, our jobs are no longer that stable and we can't just work until we're 65 and wait for a pension. Our jobs are actually changing like every five years. I believe the statistics is that millennials have to change their jobs every five years because of instability. Like what if we could actually hack it so that we're actually working online and then living in inexpensive places. And it doesn't even have, you don't even have to move to Mexico. Sometimes you could be like earning money in New York and maybe living in like Raleigh, North Carolina or something like that, or a less expensive city. And then all of a sudden you're just winning at life. Because You're that, banking the difference,
1: because that instability, that whole like, oh, my job can be outsourced at any time. What I realized uh, over the past couple of years is that that's a double edged sword. You can it can be used to it can be used against you, but it, you can use it to your advantage. The idea that our jobs are so remote that they can be outsourced to another country. Like you can do that to yourself. You can outsource yourself. Right. <laughs> you can you can work for a company in New York or L, or San Francisco or something like that and then live in Poland and then pay Polish prices for your whatever. And it just doesn't like that. It has never been a better time to do this. Well, that's what I realized a lot of the media loves to talk about all the problems that millennials have, but they don't actually like to talk about. And maybe they don't know the advantages that we have. It has never been easier to work nomadically to work remotely because the internet has never been, has never made everything so interconnected before on my phone right now. I can, call my mom up on a video chat. I can check my email. I can, uh, check, like,
2: our investments. I can yeah.
1: check our investments. I can make, I, I can, you know, take money that, you know, from my Canadian bank account, move it to an American bank account, and then like spend it in like Thai bot or Vietnamese dong, like, and all this technology didn't exist even like five, 10 years ago. And it has never, it has never been easier to travel. It has never been easier to work remotely. And, you know, the media loves to say, Oh, millennials, what a terrible world we live in. And what I realized is, oh millennials, what a wonderful world yeah, we live in. <laughs> exactly.
0: Use the advantage. Mindset, yeah. right? It's it's like yeah. I think fundamentally you're talking about a mindset shift because before you can really I mean, I think the numbers make sense. It's like, of course, I can move and I can save money, but it's like you have to – there has to be a chip in your brain that kind of gets excited about that. And I think it's easier when you're just maybe a single person or you're married without kids. Talk about families who've done big shifts because a lot of our listeners also have little ones or have children. And you know, I'm sure when you become a parent, I will speak you know, I'll be the first to say your expenses just go through the roof. And I do, I'm really interested in this idea of how to really bring down my costs, like say 30%. I'm kind of stuck in New York, <laughs> but maybe I'm not. I don't know. I think that for you now- You to, us
1: to Thailand? We'll, we'll show you around, Chiang Mai. Absolutely.
0: I mean, yeah. I'd love to live in, you know, a foreign country, but I, I don't know. I think I just have to like- I think it's so abstract to me this concept of like doing something oh, yeah. so dramatic but what are some other things that are maybe in between like a medium sized shift
2: Um actually okay so to answer your question about how to do this with kids um uh, so this is this is one of the things we did with uh, within our book quit like a millionaire is we actually uh interviewed members of the fire community who have kids and we also discovered another community while traveling um they're called the world schoolers uh they have a, a Facebook group of over 40,000 people.
1: Really fascinating people.
2: Yeah. So so we, we did some research um, based on like, is it possible to become financially independent if you have kids and what happens afterwards? Um, so from talking to the leaders of the FI community, there's actually quite a few people that do have done this with kids. Um, Justin is one of them. He has three kids and everybody knows Pete, Mr. Money Mustache. Um, he also has a kid. Uh, and then for the uh, world schoolers, it, it's actually a group of people who educate their children by using the word as their classroom. So this is a group of people. um, This actually started in 2008 because families were very worried about their um, investments and they're worried about job security um, because of the great financial crisis. So what They ended up doing was actually using geographic arbitrage and they started a new curriculum to be able to educate their kids either by sending them to international schools or doing a combination of that and uh, doing an online curriculum. So there's actually like packages you can buy online with teachers that are willing to teach you uh, remotely as well as, um, communities that meet up, they actually meet up every year in Oaxaca to talk about how to educate your children, uh, as part of the community. So one of the things that we were very fascinated about is like, if we do decide to have kids one day, what are we going to do? Like, is this lifestyle sustainable and how do you actually save, um, money with children? Uh, one of the things that the FI community has told us from people who have kids is that, uh, kids are not expensive, it's parents that make them expensive. It's the it's the fear of missing out that they get a lot from other parents where it's like, you have to take them to the, these activities, you have to buy them these fancy things, you have to buy them a car when they turn 16. And all these things that society teaches us that we have to do for our kids. But in reality, um, to them, it's much more valuable for them to become financially independent and spend time with their kids. The fact that they were able to buy back that time to spend with their kids was worth so much more than all those other, you know, fancy things that are traditionally expected you know, expected for parents to buy to make their kids happy.
1: Yeah. I was really surprised by that too, because, you know, they're talking about um, like, it's, it's not just the the parents that are making it expensive and I don't want to blame the parents because they know, you know, parenting is hard. Um, but they were also uh, talking about like, after you become financially independent, a lot of your costs that are normally factor into that, you know, the USDA has some number that it costs a quarter of a million dollars to raise a kid from zero to 18 or something like that. And money must that's kind of, in our book busted that a, uh, quite a bit because in when you're financially independent, you don't have to work anymore. A lot of those costs kind of like drop away childcare costs.
2: Mm-hmm. That was one of the biggest costs of, was one of the um, biggest
1: costs. Raising kids. They go, they go to zero because you don't need to, like you don't need to have someone looking after your kid while you're at work uh, and so on and so forth. Um, but also the world schoolers, they're just a fascinating group of people. Like they were, we met them in Tulu, Mexico. Um, mm-hmm. And they, it was like um, a, a mother and a 10 year old kid yeah. who was traveling and it was during the school year. And we were like, what, what's going on? Did you pull them out of school and this kind of stuff? I was like, No, no, we're world schoolers. We use the world as our classroom. So not only do this, does this group of people travel and educate their kids on the road, they use the world as their classroom. So like they, they she was telling me that when she taught her kid about the Vietnam war, they were in Vietnam. Like they were like, this happened, this happened, this happened. Let's go see John McCain sell. At the um at the Hanoi Hilton, like they, it was like it was like living history. It was like that was, and it was like it made history like come alive. And it, it, like the, these kids like love education, like they oh, love yeah. their teachers. That's the weirdest thing. Like we we didn't like our teachers when we were growing <laughs> up. We were just you know they wanted to be hit by a car. We'd be like oh well, but like they they actually like love learning and this kind of uh, they love learning because learning is fun for them. So so we interviewed them in the book, but we're just kind of. Like, Oh, that's really, really interesting because ironically, they, the, this world schoolers group doesn't know anything about fire. So this is in, in, so when we contacted them for the first time, it was the first time um, the two groups kind of ever actually kind of interacted in this kind of stuff. And I realized that if you combine the ideas of fire and the, the ideas of world schoolers, you can then create this lifestyle in which you can have, you know, you don't have to worry about money mo- anymore. You can travel with kids and you can educate them on the road and they actually get a better education than when you were, uh, then if you were staying at home, the social issues that these kids, like, we talked to a lot of some of these kids that actually went through this kind of stuff. Like the ones that we talked to actually, you know, went back into the, uh, into the oh, university yeah. system. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, you know, they went to like universities because their, their parents knew how to like make sure that their kids, um, like they got certified, like the, the grade levels got certified and the work got certified and all this kind of stuff. So that they're, Um, So that they could uh, slide back into the, into the school system when it came to time to enroll in university. Um, And these kids are like those, these are the strict, like, you know, there's really strange kids because the social issues that we had to deal with going, growing up in regular school, like bullying, they've like never even encountered bullying before. Like they don't, they, they literally don't, the ones we interviewed literally don't know what that is because if you think about it, bullying only makes sense because there's a person that you're not getting along with and you have to spend time with them. (laughs) Right. You have to go back to the school and you have to see them every day. They don't have that problem. If they don't like someone, they just don't hang out with them because every like because there is no classroom and there's no school. The idea of school shootings doesn't actually make sense in a world school environment because you can't shoot up a school if there's no school to shoot. Right. It's just like all these things that worry parents, they they just like literally don't apply to the world schools. And that's what made them so fascinating to us.
0: Wow. Okay. So let's talk about uh, – we talked a little bit about the book, uh, which is coming out in July. and I wanted to maybe ask about like how the book is going to be offering something that won't be available on the blog, isn't in your workshops. I mean, there's a reason, right, to go pick up the book. So tell us what you hope people will learn that is unique in the book.
2: Okay. So – um the the book actually has an interesting backstory, in that we didn't originally set out to write the book. <laughs> um, an editor from Penguin actually um, contacted us because one of her uh, clients, who is a Hollywood actress, is a fan of our blog. So she actually reached out to us and asked us if we wanted to write a book. And our original original thought was like like, do we does it make sense to write a book? We we already have all this free information that's on the blog. Um, and then after talking to her, uh, I started to realize that. Like based because she asked me a bit about my um, like our background and then after we got to talking, uh, I realized that there's actually a need to write a book for people who didn't grow up privileged, to write a book for people you know who because a lot of the um, flack that comes towards the fire community is oh but you're all privileged people you're all people who you know had like a silver spoon and then the, basically you just got here because you are we're already advantaged, right? And the thing is, like, my background is actually, um, so I didn't, I wasn't actually born in the West, I was born in China, in a, um, like a rural village. And at one point, my family lived on 44 cents a day. So to go from that, and like to millionairehood status, like I didn't even know what a millionaire was when I was a kid, I was just like, is the cupboard full or empty. Like that's all I really knew. Um, and so I wanted to write a book uh, because I didn't want people who weren't born privileged to be left behind because this is turning the fire movement is growing. And it, every single day, like people are becoming financially independent or working towards financial independence and feeling less stress because they have more money. And the thing is, um, from my background, I realized that in order to become financially independent, you have to learn from different mindsets within different economic classes. So that's why the book is broken down from the lessons that I learned in poverty and then the lessons I learned while in middle class. And then what are the things that rich people do that poor, that you know, makes them richer and that poor people just don't understand, like poor people like myself that would not have known any of this when I was growing up in poverty. So, um, I believe that this, in addition to um, interviews that we've done with the World Schoolers and with other um, parents within the fire community, so that it's not just about people who are couples, uh, single people traveling, it's for people with families as well. I wanted to bring a perspective that is um, fire is for everyone. It's not just for people who are privileged and it's not just for people, you know, who grew up with advantages. It's the fact that you can still learn these uh, from different types of mindsets. It's not just the abundance mindset, and that's the only thing that gets you to, to financial independence.
1: Yeah, I mean, like the FIRE community ha- does ha- suffer from a criticism that it's it's it really only works for people who are born into privilege, you know, basically rich people who are already earning like six figures and this kind of stuff. And what's fascinating, what we realized when we were talking to this editor at Penguin, was what what's really fascinating and unique about uh, Christie's journey is that she went from not even just poverty like abject poverty in rural china we calculated that at one point her family was living on 44 us cents a day in china wow. and going from and going from that from and because she went from that to the middle class and then to wealth her journey kind of spans the entire socioeconomic spectrum which makes it really valuable because at no point during that journey did she end up doing something like crazy that no one else could do? We didn't start the next Snapchat. We didn't invest in Amazon at $10. We didn't buy a house in Detroit for like $500 and flip it for like, you know, whatever. Like none of those, like, none of those, like we call them like, not tricks, but like stuff that people, other people can't reproduce. Like we never actually managed to do any of those kinds of things. It wasn't for lack of trying, but we just didn't manage to do it. But because of that, that journey is reproducible. Anything Every single thing that we did from that forty-four cents a day to millionaire status, anybody can do because they have access to the exact same tools that we do. And as a result, when so we wrote the story as a kind of a journey from her. You know, you know, we start the book off with her digging in a medical waste heap for toys that actually did happen, all the way to her bouncing on the trampoline in Switzerland, and well, with uh, as a millionaire. And as a result of that, the, the way that it's structured. Anybody, no matter where they are in that socioeconomic spectrum, can kind of figure out where they are on that journey and then just like copy her moves and they'll eventually end up a millionaire. Like, you know, it's it, – It's reproducible. It, it's reproducible and that's what's really valuable about it and that's what's really – um, and that's what, you know, um, that's why we wrote the book.
0: Well, I wanted to ask you about your travels too because you're such prolific travelers and, you know – that is the dream for a lot of people is to like, basically, even if they don't retire early, like, can I just, you know, have some more travel in my, in my life? And um, we have a question this month that comes to us from our sponsor Chase, which is, as you're planning your summer now, and probably going to hopefully go to some fun places, what are some travel hacks that you like to exercise? Or conversely, is there a travel splurge that you feel like is really what makes the trip even more better?
1: it doesn't have to be a splurge. I mean like that, that's what really amazes about this entire thing, which is the world. Okay. So you're in New York city and you're probably in the most, one of the most expensive cities in the world. Um, Here's here's something. Life isn't actually that expensive outside of New York City. <laughs> That's what we discovered. That's what we discovered, like you know, uh, discovered traveling around the world. In that there are expensive cities. There's there's the Londons. There's Paris's. There's there's um, New York cities. But most of the world, life is actually a lot cheaper. So the dynamic of you should travel and treat yourself. It, it's actually not true. It's like you should travel. It'll save you money.
2: Yeah. So to give you an example. um, So one of the things we discovered that I guess you'd call it a travel hack is if you balance inexpensive places like um, Thailand and surprisingly Poland and Portugal with Expensive places like uh, London or Switzerland or Iceland, which is actually where we went last summer, um, you can actually reduce the cost significantly. It's just the fact that a lot of people just end up rushing to the main areas like London, Paris, New York. They don't really discover Eastern Europe. They don't really discover Portugal because everybody's just been told to go to the main places and. As a result of that, I'll give you some examples of how much the prices are um, as because we discovered that, for example, in Thailand, you can rent um, a place with a condo, one bedroom, brand new condo with uh, sorry, a place with a swimming pool for six hundred U.S. dollars. And then you could get a massage for 10 U.S. dollars, including tip. And you could go out to eat for 2 to $3 a meal easily. So that means you could actually live in Thailand, get massages every other day for $20,000 a year per couple, for a couple. Um, and Which is you, what we've been doing. Yeah. And then... Port, Port Portugal was really surprising as well uh, because there's it's not just Lisbon like everybody goes to Lisbon right but we discover that there's Porto there's Lagos there's um, Avero there's all these other towns that people just neglect because everybody's going to the main travel destinations because it's part of their travel package and so we went to um, southern Portugal a place called Lagos which has these amazing sandstone cliffs overlooking the sea and the rent for the apartment was only. Uh, about eight or nine hundred US dollars for the month. And then eating was not very expensive either because you could eat out for, you know, like 10 euros a meal, 15 euros a meal. Um, You could, there's a lot of free activities you could do because it's, there's so many beaches you could visit with like 15 beaches within walking distance of our condo. Um, And so it's, it's the idea I, I think the travel hack is don't go to where the places where everybody else thinks to go. that's what drives up the prices and it's usually not that great anyway because it's just so overcrowded. Um, go to lesser known places in Eastern Europe like we went to Lithuania, we went to Estonia uh, that dropped our cost significantly because you could live in those places easily for thirty thousand dollars a year and uh, yeah it's, it's really not travel's not that expensive if you travel like a local and instead of traveling like, You know, a tourist.
0: And it sounds like you got to take the path less taken. It's been really great to catch up with you guys. Thank you so much for stopping on your press tour on So Money. Congratulations on Quit Like a Millionaire. Looking forward to following, you know, your steps. I know that you're going to be in this uh, documentary on the fire movement. I think, uh, Christy, you're kind of the star of it. So we'll be (laughs) sure to, uh, (laughs) keep everybody posted on uh, all your continued success. And uh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us.
1: It's been a pleasure.
0: Learn more about Christy and Bryce's book, Quit Like a Millionaire at quitlikeamillionaire.com. Their blog is millennial-revolution.com. And they're on Twitter at firecracker underscore R E V, Rev. All this info is at SoMoneyPodcast.com where you can listen to the audio, download the transcript, get all these links, and also click on Ask Farnoosh and leave me your questions for our Friday episodes. Thanks for tuning in, everybody, and I hope your day is so money.